Here we go. You are listening to Law and Gospel Open Mic Friday, the 13th of November in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker. And in light of uh, yesterday's program with Wes Reimnitz talking about there's a distinction between revealing what God says and understanding what God says. We received a number of emails, and we're going to be discussing them in this program. And the ones I'm going to discuss are dealing with the election that has just taken place with a change in the White House, it appears. And it's still going on, I think, until, what, January the 6th, when uh, the state of Georgia will be having a vote as to who their two senators are going to be. They have a situation in that state where you cannot be elected as a senator unless you get 50% of the vote. And nobody got that. So they take the two highest and they're going to have an election concerning them. It's an important election because it makes a difference as to who might be head of the Senate or in control of the Senate, Democrats or Republicans. So we're taking a look at a number of items that have come in. One of them is from a a listener who indicates that in the past three years, a hundred judges have been appointed that are pro-life. The kingdom forces of hell have been shaken by this and cannot tolerate what has happened. Biblical principles of God's design for the family, marriage, and gender continue to be under assault by the left, who is very angry for any opposition to their agenda with an ever-advancing political offense. Now, this does make a difference for the church. Uh, For example, will the church be forced to do things that it considers to be immoral? such as doing marriages for same-sex couples. This the church will not be able to do. But what happens if the government changes the rules and says you'll lose your tax exemption if you do not do these actions? So the email goes on, especially now we need to be reminded that the Bible is not theoretical. It is the practical with specific instructions. From baptism on, we are taught in the Lord's Prayer that our priority is thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In the Ten Commandments, we learn to trust in God above all things, including government. Yet against the Second Commandment, that's thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Our discourse has become uncivil, cursing those who differ from us with profanities and obscenities. The voice of the church has been dampened and replaced by the often bolder 
and more courageous voices of secular propaganda. 61 million lives have been murdered by abortion. And in the name of social justice, looters steal while protesters destroy businesses with calls for a social justice promoting guilt and entitlement that is not the justice of Jesus. Now, this particular writer of this email is been really concerned about the fact that the church has not been speaking much about the issues dealing in the election. And there's no doubt that the church cannot say certain things. For example, I as a pastor do not tell what names you should vote for. We can talk about issues, but if I say, here's the name you should vote for, I better have a Bible passage with that name in there because that may not be God's will. Yesterday, we talked about how God is really incomprehensible. And we got that from Isaiah chapter 55. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So what we have here is a God that we cannot understand why he does what he does. Just ask the people of Israel during their captivity in Babylon. The Babylonian uh, captivity was something that they felt was unfair. Uh, these were the lower two tribes of Israel in contrast to the 10 tribes that had been taken into captivity by the Assyrians years before. And people were saying, we are not like those other 10 tribes. We don't deserve this. And God says, oh, so you're saying I'm unjust? And then pointed out the many ways in which they were unjust. In fact, the readings for this last Sunday, I believe, talked about that God hates the assemblies of the Israelites. They think they're solemn assemblies, but they do not have faith. Faith is really critical. So the letter writer goes on, God is now shouting out to the church, what will you do? You have who have been brought into a valley of decision. Whom will you serve? When it comes to moral issues, our votes should be cast reflecting biblical principles that we stand for. It is so important that we need clarity by our pastors who do not speak in mere generalities, but specifics. They need to remind us to vote in line with godly principles, not political personalities or partisanship. As a reminder, the Bible teaches us 
that God repeatedly uses flawed individuals to do his will. Moses, a murderer and a reluctant, rebellious leader. David, a shirker of responsibility, adulterer, and murderer whom God later called a man after God's own heart. Rehab, the prostitute, and St. Paul, who as a highly educated Jew became a serial killer of Christians before becoming the great apostle to the Gentiles. So, the letter writer is concerned. In summary, what we need to hear from the pulpit, votes should never be cast for power-seeking selfish purposes that are not aligned with biblical principles and values. I do so wish that we heard matters like this spoken boldly from the pulpit before this election. So that's one point of view that a person is saying pastors need to be about the business of sharing the truths of the Bible with the people. We received other emails and there were a number of questions in them. So let me just take a look at some of them and try and reply because the purpose of law and gospel is not to explain why God does what he does, but to reveal what God does, what he does. Is it, for example, a question, is it a proper practice of practical theology to intercede to stop a person of leadership? How and who should tell or approach that leadership with their plight? Now, I, I'm assuming that he's talking about leadership in the government that is contrary to the word of God. Who should intercede to stop a person? He goes on, do we need a Joab-like character to bring an infusion of reality into the current political leadership to help them face the reality or someone empowered with the office of the keys? Now, what is the office of the keys? That is a right that God gave to the apostles on the night of the resurrection. The keys open or close heaven. Whosoever sins you remit, they are remitted. Whosoever sins you retain, they are retained. Now, how can a pastor retain someone's sins? That is not give them forgiveness. Did Jesus not die for the sins of all people? Is forgiveness not available to everyone? Well, forgiveness is available and everyone can receive that forgiveness, but they need to ask for that forgiveness. They need to be aware 
that they need forgiveness. So whose sins are retained? Those who are unrepentant in regard to their particular stands. So if you have a government official that stands for something that is contrary to the Bible, then forgiveness cannot be given to that individual by the church. There are some priests, for example, who will not commune political individuals who are pro-abortion. I kind of agree with that because when you have such a stand and you are unrepentant over that, then you should not be receiving the true body and blood of Jesus Christ in the sacrament. Because just read 1 Corinthians 11. Those who are unrepentant are actually receiving negative consequences to the Lord's Supper. Close communion is a really important issue. It's often also called closed communion. That it is for those who not only recognize what the Lord's Supper is, but also do repent of their sins. In fact, when I was a full-time pastor and we would do the matin service prior to taking the Lord's Supper, we would go back to the liturgy where we confessed our sins. And that is important. So, these letters are asking questions about the current situation in the country. Can the church get involved in political issues? If they are biblical issues also, the church needs to get involved. And we see this from the time of the apostles. There was a time they were put in prison and they were told not to preach about Jesus Christ. This is a huge area of concern for many of our laity because if they say certain things in the workplace, they could be fired for even just saying them. This is a tough situation. What did the apostles do? They went out and they continued to preach about the message of Jesus Christ, even though the government officials told them to be quiet. And what did they say? We must obey God rather than man. Now, the church has to be very careful that what it says as important is truly what God says as important. For example, in Romans 13, it does say that we are to pay taxes to the government officials because that money is needed to fix roads, do kinds of social work and helping out the poor and the sick, etc. But nowhere in the Bible does it say the percentages of money that should be taken from individuals. So the church really can't come out and say it is wrong for the government to say this much 
should be taken from certain individuals. No, you need to look at the reasons behind them. Now, there is no such thing as a utopia here on earth. And so if people are trying to get a utopia, what is a utopia? It kind of reminds me of the, the Beatles song, Imagine, when he wrote that song. He began by saying, imagine that there is no heaven or hell. Now, I've never understood why he wouldn't want to imagine a heaven. Because the rest of the song actually describes heaven. That there's no land that is owned by certain people. Uh, we're all one in Christ. There, there are wonderful things that the song talks about that we are to imagine. And that imagining is something that happens. So we pray that God will give us insight into what is necessary to be believed. Because what is necessary to be believed does come from the Scripture. And when it comes from the Scripture... It's coming from God's revelation. We as Christians cannot understand why God says what he says and what he says what he does. I mean, who can understand that Jesus, the Son of God, was put to death at the request of his Father? In fact, there are some... Uh, women in the women's movement who are quite radical, who say, I will not believe in this God because he actually murders his son. Well, people may think that until they read the scripture that Jesus becomes a substitute for us. And he does that out of love for you. As part of our liturgy says, we're poor, miserable sinners, and we are unable to get rid of our sins. So there's no doubt that these emails are important, and a pastor needs to understand this. For example, another email asks, what is the distinction between God's permissive will and God's omnipresent will. Well, what does that mean? God's permissive will is what he permits to happen. His omnipresent will is knowing all things, and therefore nothing happens without God's permission. God is the Almighty One. And that word Almighty, what does that mean? Just divide the word. It means that God has all might, all power. There is nobody else, including the devil, that has power equivalent to God in the sense of it being evil power. Even the devil had to go to God to get permission to afflict Job. And 
I was reading a philosopher recently who is kind of an atheist, and he says, all you have to do is read the book of Job, and you will not believe in the God of the Bible. Because what does he do? He breaks his own commandments, the philosopher said. On the one hand, he murders the children of Job, and he also steals property from Job. So actually, God was really brought into that situation by the trickery of the devil. In other words, he has a very opposite understanding of the book of Job. Job did not think that God was tricked by the devil. Job realized at the end of the book that the devil was tricked by God. Yes, when God allows suffering to come into our life, there are many reasons. On the one hand, it could be that we are suffering the consequences of our sin. On the other hand, and I've seen this, when a person gets an incurable disease and they remain faithful to the Lord, they become a tremendous witness to other Christians to help them to overcome what the devil is trying to do. And that's why Job says, boy, I spoke twice against the Lord. I now put my hand over my mouth and I repent in dust and ashes because the Lord God is almighty. He is the true God. So the church on the one hand needs to be careful that we don't tell people to vote for things that are not clearly in the scripture. I would say that almost 80% of what the government does has no bearing on the Bible in the sense that what they're doing with social security, how they're helping people in that area with health care, etc. There can be disagreements even among Christians as to whether or not what the government is doing in those areas is permissible. But when it comes to morality, and God makes it clear, like the marriage, excuse me, the marriage between two people must be between a man and a woman. That means that when that does not occur, there are consequences that come. And you only need to look at the consequences that came to Sodom and Gomorrah when they did not follow the morality of God. This is why the church needs to be about the business of preaching the law in such a way that those who are living in unrepentant sin wake up to that fact and that the church does say this is wrong. And there is what's called excommunication. The government may permit all kinds of divorce, no-fault divorce, but the church needs to look at it from a biblical point of view. And there are occasions when people who 
do a divorce are excommunicated because they're doing it in a way contrary to the word of God. Now, God does permit divorce, uh, particularly if one of the partners has committed adultery. But just because you fall in love with another person doesn't give you the right to divorce that individual. And the church needs to speak out on that and take action where necessary. Because the church is the voice of God. So when we get into political matters, yeah, there are a lot of things going on now in the political realm that Christians can disagree with because it doesn't mean that everything going on has a clear word from Scripture. But where there is a clear word from Scripture, as these emails show, it is proper for believers to take a stand and speak out, even if it means that we will be persecuted for our stand, because that's what God says in the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my name's sake, which means we come under attack because we are speaking the word of God. In driving for Uber, I've had a number of people that we speak about who I'm taking to various places that disagree with my point of view from a Lutheran perspective. But I still love them and try and help them to see what is the truth and who knows what impact that might have on them. That's the purpose of KFUO, to share the message of God, to answer the questions of Christians so that they become more aware of the revelation of Jesus Christ, even though at times they may not understand it. Because we do not live by understanding God, we live by believing the promises of God. And so, yes, God cannot be understood because his ways are so different than ours. But we can accept what he says are his ways. I'm Tom Baker, and on the next Long Gospel, we'll be taking a look at a reading for the last Sunday of the church year, getting ready for Advent. That will occur, God willing, on Monday. Until then, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.
If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.